Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, 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 and hold me tight. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Paul or Nothing. This is wide screen podcasting and the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. I am, of course, your host, Sam Wiles, and thank you all for listening, for downloading, and I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. Today, we are once again going to be doing one of my favourite types of episodes here on the podcast, and that is where I get to leave the restrictive constraints of reality and tap into my inner fan fiction slash slash fiction writer and in the most pure egomaniacal fashion attempt to rewrite history in my own image. Yes folks, we are once again going to be doing one of our hypothetical episodes here on Paul or Nothing and this time we're going to be looking at the alternative what if reality dimension history thingy whereby the two albums Tug of War and Pipes of Peace are in some way joined together, merged and amalgamated into a single album called, you guessed it, War and Peace. Very clever, isn't it? It's a noble pursuit, I know, and I take solace in the knowledge that many of you are oh so glad that I am taking the time to first settle this important matter rather than, say, cracking on with my off-the-ground review or my Listen With Sam Sign series. Thankfully, though, I will not be alone in this pursuit. Joining me today will be my rival podcast host, Tom Hanyardi, here to assert dominance after we had his co-host, Andy Nichols, on the podcast not so long ago. This isn't the first time the two of us have done something like this on this show, and the first time me and Tom did this, we theorised what would the 1980s Beatle reunion gig look like, and... My gosh, that was a fun time. You know, it was just such a special episode for me that was just getting to sit back and listen to Tom be absolutely let loose on that topic. And I'm oh so lucky enough to be able to do that again here today, albeit with McCartney's 80s material. So it'll be interesting to see where we both fall here. But yeah, folks, this isn't anything too heavy. This is just me having one of my favourite types of Beatles conversations with one of my all-time favourite Beatles people. You know, I'm sure Tom feels the same. You know, sometimes it can get very heady, this Paul McCartney podcasting business. So, so this is just us taking five, having a bit of fun, and we hope the same applies to you. Now, before I do crack on with the housekeeping, I do have to point out that, that there was actually a bootleg record of the same name, though not the same idea. And there isn't really a whole lot of information available regarding the War and Peace bootleg. So rather than making it its own little chapter, fuck it, I'm just, I'm just going to talk about it right now before the housekeeping in the intro. War and Peace was released in 1987 and was a rather famous bootleg put out by Instant Analysis Records. They were an American bootleg company that put out loads of unreleased material by The Doors, Hendrix, The Stones, The Who but they were most known for their Beatle and solo Beatle releases, such as the Beatles' Decca Audition Outtakes Super Studio Series 2 and The Beatles Invade Europe. 
In essence, this bootleg was merely a collection of demos from the Tug of War era, but as you know, and as we'll get into later, many of the songs from the Pipes of Peace album were indeed recorded during Tug of War, so I'll be damned if the pun title for this collection doesn't write itself. Weirdly though, it also contained a demo of the London Town era Wings track Boil Crisis. I'm not sure if this is one of the first emergencies of this track, uh, but yeah, rather like Peacocks and the Return to Pepperland stuff. A lot of these bootleggers seem to just slap on stuff, uh, you know, just to, you know, make sure everything goes on an album, which I do appreciate, you know. And spoiler alert, no prizes for guessing what uh, the hidden track on today's episode is going to be. Most interestingly of all, though, nowhere on this album does it say the words Paul McCartney. I imagine, for legal reasons, uh, highly litigious legal reasons, the album does feature an image of Paul McCartney, though, wearing a Napoleonic bicorn hat, looking very fetching, and all of the song titles are unmistakably Maccas, but it is all credited to one Apollo C. Vermouth. Now, this name goes all the way back to our Ruttles episode, where we had friend of the show Andy on, and I actually didn't mention this in that episode, so I'm glad I get to bring it up now. You know when Paul produced... Uh, and played bass for I Am The Urban Spaceman for Bonzo Dog and the Doodah Band, Neil Innes' band? Well, for that recording, Paul is actually credited under the pseudonym Apollo C. Vermouth. Oh my god, it's all connected. It all goes back wheels within wheels. So that's Apollo C. Vermouth. We've got Clint Harrigan and Paul Raymond, or Paul Ramon. There's so many different monikers for Paul here, so many pseudonyms. But uh, yeah, that's everything we need to know about the original War and Peace. It's not a very exciting record at all. Uh, just a quick rundown of the track listing. It's got Ballroom Dancing, Take It Away, Dress Me Up as a Robber, version 1, The Pound is Sinking, Keep Undercover, Average Person, Sweetest Little Show, Ebony and Ivory, The Pound is Sinking, number 2, Keep Undercover 2, Dress Me Up as a Robber 2, Wanderlust, Take Her Back Jack, which I imagine would be uh, Stop, You Don't Know Where She Came From, which is a bonus track on the Tug of War Archive Edition re-release. And then you have We All Stand Together and Boil Crisis, as I mentioned. The um, Oh, also, I can't believe I, I nearly didn't mention this, in the vein of all of these McCartney 3 vinyl editions that uh, is causing so much controversy, you know, pushing it back by a week and all of that shtick, Maybe Macca is taking inspiration from the bootleggers because War and Peace was available on not only a black vinyl, but on a blue one and an orange one, uh, both of which are available for McCartney 3 as well. But anyway, enough of all that. Let us crack on with the... Housekeeping! First of all, any news this week? Well, uh, I, I did just happen to record my guest appearance on a little podcast called... Blotto Beatles. As expected, I got absolutely sozzled, tipsy, pissed, and wankered whilst I was on there, which means I had an absolutely incredible time. I would gladly go and do it again. Those guys are all welcome here on this show. Although, I don't remember talking much about the song that I selected, nor the album it came from, but I have a lot of fuzzy in-and-out Vietnam flashbacks of a bunch of terrible Trump impressions 
and Star Wars conversation. So we'll see how Scotty C does with the final edit. Best of luck to him. <laughs> In the meantime, though, I implore everyone here listening right now, uh, you know, all three of you listening, to go out there and check out the Blotto Beatles podcast before they take off in popularity and become far too big to continue to be associated with the likes of myself. Seriously, though, they were such welcoming hosts. You know, they nearly made me cry with all the lovely things they said about this poxy little podcast. So yeah, go check out Blotto Beatles. They are one of the best going right now, folks. Other future collabs I am working on are with the wonderful folks at Ranking the Beatles, one of the primo amazing song-by-song podcasts. Can't wait to do something with them. I'll also be having the Under the Covers podcast on this show to help me get back into my covers of Paul McCartney's side series. My next McCartney 3 update's pretty much going to be recorded straight after I release this episode, so that won't be too far behind in, in terms of release. And yes, folks, I have indeed heard Find My Way and Long-Tailed Winter Bird when winter comes, so I will be talking about them on that episode as well. It'll be um, you know, an update and hot takes as well, so keep your ear to the ground for that one. Anyway, to get in contact with the show, please email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Let me know your McCartney stories, your McCartney trivia. Challenge the opinions of the host on this show. Or maybe even give me a little bit of a warning about a song I'll be covering in the future. I always love reading out your correspondence here on the show. Nothing for today, sadly. But hey, keep it coming in, folks. Another way to get in contact with the show and for constant daily updates, check us out on our Twitter page, which is at McCartneyPod. You know, I always love maintaining that thing. I always have great interaction with you all out there. For bonus content, for stuff that I can't quite fit on the show or to see where some episodes originally came from, check out our sister blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. I am now indeed adding new content to that blog, and I'm actually working on an article right now about Linda. Uh, Another one about Linda. Can't have enough Linda content out there. I'm looking forward to putting that out. Hopefully, I should be announcing the release of that with the next episode as well. Find us on Facebook and YouTube, simply by typing in Paul McCartney Podcast or Paul or Nothing. We are also on Instagram now. Yes, my gosh, folks, there is no social media platform that I will not milk for the exposure of this podcast but yeah if pictures are more your deal if that's more your thing go and check out this paul or nothing social media outlet simply by typing in paul or nothing or paul mccartney podcast if you want to help out the show right here right now in a way that takes less than 30 seconds please leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you are using and hey if you really want to tickle me pink You can even leave a nice little comment as well. If you want to help out the show more directly and more consistently, please consider becoming one of our patrons on our wonderful Patreon page. Patreon is a platform that allows you, the public, to support independent content creators such as myself. Of course, this show is ad-free. I do it all whilst working a full-time job. Of course, I'm on furlough at the moment. But yeah, if you've been enjoying the show, if you've been enjoying the 100 plus episodes I've put out there now, which is hundreds of hours of content. If you've been enjoying it and you'd like to give back, please consider chucking a couple of dollars down the internet every month my way. It all goes towards the maintenance fees of hosting this show 
on Podbean, as well as getting new equipment for the show, like this wonderful mic that you all bought for me, as well as other little things like my ticket to go see the movie yesterday was bought by the patrons, as well as my copy of Hey Grand Dude and Up in the Cloud. So it all goes back into the podcast. And last but not least, I've got to give a quick shout out to my wonderful Patreon family who are, they are the best, they are the lifeblood of the show. Without them, we wouldn't be able to keep going in the way we do. So massive shout outs to Teresa Breda, Stephanie Miller, Louis DeLonardo, Stuart Cook, Cheryl McCoy, Katrina S, Sam Hode, Anastasia P, Robert Carabelli, and the OGs, Tony Vosile, Warren Butson, and Matt Phillips. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, even if you're just listening right now. You know, you are doing your own part, and I can't thank you all of you enough. And folks, we've got all of that terrible plugging and brown nosing out of the way. So yeah, it's time that I cut right to the live feed and my guest. Let's not mince words here. One, two, three, let's go. And now it is time for me to bring on today's guest. Everyone here should know who he is by now, because, you know, we should all know our enemies well. Uh, as always, I'm lucky that he's willing just to come down here and help me whenever I need someone to, to do the real nerdy McCartney conversation. You know, because in fairness, he should be putting in efforts to bring me down, really. Uh, he's the creator of, and the host of the Paul McCartney podcast Two Legs and the co-host of Solo Beatles videocast Talk More Talk, uh, also with Ken Michaels, who we had on our last episode on this show, you'll know him as the man whose traveller edition of Egypt Station I bring up far too often. Uh, <laughs> we all know, yeah. And uh, I, I can't wait to hear what he has in store today for us. My brother from another podcasting mother, everyone. It's Mr. Tom Hunyadi. How's it going, my friend? Oh, it is well. And yes, it is I, Tom Hunyadi, your favorite Traveler's Edition suitcase owner. It is I, yes. I am so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. No, it is it is a pleasure, and thank you so much for in, for introducing me to Andy. He was a, a pleasure to, to uh, have on as well. Everyone, go and check out my episode with Andy Nichols if you haven't already, as well as your three previous appearances on here now. This is your fourth, I believe, now, isn't it? Getting there, yeah, three or four. Three, three, I'm not three or four. Three or four. Yeah. yeah, there was a, a conversation about Egypt Station. There was the first right. of these. Uh, hypothetical chit chats, and I'm sure oh, there's yes, another the one. Oh yes, the 81 reunion show, right? Tom, like I'm not here to like you know brown nose you or anything, but it's one of my favorite episodes of Paul or Nothing. <laughs> I love it. It was a show. fun. It was fun. The hypothetical thing can be very fun. Yeah, it, it takes a certain kind of fan for these yeah. conversations. My best friend Tom, who I do a lot of podcasting with, he hates this kind of stuff. Like nothing turns him off more than like an article where it's like, oh, I'm doing the single disc of the White Album. But <laughs> you and me, you know. It's, yeah, it's yeah. enjoyable. I, I, I just and, and it's fun to see fans' reactions to these kind of things too because in a way they kind of dig it as well. Yeah, it's definitely one of those choose-your-own-adventure books, definitely. Mm. Um, yes, listen, we can't be serious. We can't be something about the Beatles for every episode, you know. We got to let, uh, let, our, let our guard down and have some fun. No, uh, we definitely can't be something something about about the Beatles. Rather fortuitously, though, we are recording this episode right after the Tom Hunyadi traditional uh, kind of festival holiday. 
Black Friday record store day. Right. Yeah. How long did you camp out? Uh, what swag were you after? And what swag yeah, did, did yeah. you walk away we, with? Uh, my, my wife and I, just we, we just loved doing this. I mean, this was the fourth month in a row since the April one that was canceled earlier this year, obvious for obvious reasons, uh, that was split up into three record store days. So this was like the fourth month in a row now of getting in line at one thirty in the morning, hardly any sleep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, we just love it. We love hanging out. We, uh, we enjoy, you know, getting the records that we want. We, we usually get anywhere between first and second in line or, or these last two times we were second and third in line. So we find it's well worth it to, to get what we want. And we usually do. And uh, what did you get? Yes, it was the, the, my sweet Lord, the George Harrison, uh, seven inch single, which uh, is a white milky clear vinyl. It looks mm. beautiful. Mm. Uh, very heavy. It's probably, it's gotta be, uh, you know, in the same vein as the 180 gram vinyl these days. Okay. I also picked up the YouTube Boy um, white vinyl, which is also very nice. And uh, my favorite country singer, Willie Nelson, put out a, uh, a live set from 1976 doing my favorite Willie Nelson album, The Redheaded Stranger. So three titles that were must-owns for me. I mean, I could have picked up a couple more things, but, um, you know, after four months in a row of, of buying expensive vital, you, uh, vinyl, you, you eventually have to put a, put a, uh, you know, a, a capper on, on things, so... Well, speaking of expensive merch and vinyl, <laughs> give it to me straight, Tom. How yes. many copies of McCartney 3 have you pre-ordered and what merch are you going to get? I am, okay, you're going to hear from here first. Well, not really, but I am already 11 deep and I buy after. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, yes. I can't yes, it. and and, I would, and I'm sure before it's it's officially released, I'll be 13 deep. <sighs> that, just doing even the most rudimentary form of maths in my brain really quickly there. That's that's a a, a, a chunk of change there, my friend. <laughs> well, uh, you know, oh it's uh, I'm I'm listen. I I don't brag about this stuff. I do find myself fortunate that I can do this stuff and uh, you know of don't course, take it yeah, for yeah. granted you know but uh it, you know it's my favorite artist if i could do the same i would do it too like don't oh, I, I know I, that i'm not I, sitting I here that. and saying i wouldn't oh god no so have you is, is there any edition of mccartney 3 that you haven't got pre-ordered then like yeah it's the one that i was really ticked off about was the green vinyl from a store we have here in the states called target you couldn't get no. the uh, – you're an American no, and you couldn't so get the, um, the, the, the Target one. What? Right, right, because I was so worried that the <laughs> other ones would sell out quicker than the Target one. And then it so happens that the Target one sold out quicker than all the others. Oh, that's so I was like so worried. Okay, I was like, okay, I got to get the third band first. So I did that. And then I was like, okay, I got to get the indie white one. So then I went there. And then by the time I got to the Target Green, it was it was long gone. But uh, hopefully, when it comes out the day of, they'll have a couple extra copies or so. So you've got the blue HMV one from the UK, then? Yes, yes, yes. So cool. a buddy who uh, we we both know has agreed to get me a copy, and uh, we'll send it when he gets it. Strangely enough, I believe it's still in stock, which I found to be quite shocking. Well, you know the uh, you you Prince just. Don't love McCartney as much as us here in the states. We don't, sadly. I hate that that that's that that's true, and it keeps me no. up at night. <laughs> it should.
It's, uh, but yeah, but right now I'm looking at the the you discover orange. What was just what was just announced last week? The HMV blue, the Newberry pink, the bull moose, or the indie white, third man red, and your standard Amazon black. So that's the ones for vinyl. Then we're looking at the cassette. Yes, I had to get the cassette. Yes, I'm so yeah. happy you got it because I could mock you for this for like the next three <laughs> years. I can milk this. <laughs> Tom Cassette Hanyardi, oh, he's got a yes. good ring to it. Yes. yes. Yes, and then I just went for uh, went for a couple of these uh, the dice bundle on paulmccartney.com. So I got the red and the blue uh, for these secret demo versions. You know, it's um, so, and then I will eventually get the yellow and the white as well, since I was not fortunate enough to get those uh, reg- those wonderful dice that uh, some fortunate people got uh, last month, or was it earlier this month? I don't remember, but anyways, I am a bit jelly about that. Mm-hmm. No, uh, it seems that anyone who's written a book these days has got a, a set of dice and access to McCartney 3, but I'm not bitter, Tom. I'm not <laughs> I'm not bitter. Oh, no, why would we? I mean, obviously, the only people that are going to be able to get to interview McCartney these days is celebrities who do podcasts and well-known magazines like Rolling Stone and Uncut, so... But again, not jelly. Oh, no, um, I'm probably more jealous of the fact that Paul got to sit down with Taylor Swift more than anything else. But <laughs> just uh, one one quick question, just as something yeah. uh, as a Brit to an, an American that I'm, I am interested in. Like the conversation of McCartney three going to number one has only mm-hmm. really been centered as far as I've seen on, on the UK. But does it have any chance of taking the coveted top spot in the States? It does have a chance, and I think that's where he's putting himself in a no-win situation with all these variations. I, don't know, I, I, I see a lot of Facebook friends out here just rolling their eyes because, mm-hmm. the, I mean, when you look at it, this is even more extreme than Egypt Station was with the variations. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll be getting a roulette table uh, next year at some point. But with, with this, yeah. It's going to be funny because he is, like I said, he's putting himself in this no-win situation where if he does get the number one here, people will be like, well, that's because he put out all the variations. And if he yeah. doesn't get the number one, people will be going like, well, what the fuck, man? He put out these all, all these variations out, you know, so. Um, but there in the States, I mean, I think he would want, I think he would be concentrating more on getting a UK number one than a US number one because it's been shit. I think his last UK number one album was, what, Flowers in the Dirt? Yeah, 89. That's mad. Kylie is number one, or was number one, at only like 50,000 units sold. Mm. So 50,000 units in the UK, that doesn't sound too extraordinary, especially with all these additions, you know? Right. Let me ask you this, though. I mean, since since now that the album is delayed, coming out on the 18th, I did notice that um, he's going up against Liam Gallagher. So... How is his popularity there? Is he going to uh, outsell Liam, or is Liam going to? Uh, is he very popular out there in the in, uh, in the UK? Yeah, he's definitely a lot more of a um, pie-selling contemporary act than Paul is. Mm. Like Oasis, they they yeah. are insanely impactful here in the UK, and both brothers have gone on to like varying degrees of success, but both have had success, right? But they both do stem from the Beatles, so. It's going to make an interesting narrative regardless of who comes out on top here. Hmm. So basically, you guys only got two variations out there then, a vinyl, just the blue HMV and then the regular black. Yeah, but that's what the internet's for. And there was a red 
3,000 pressing yeah. for okay. the UK and Europe as well, I think. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. The, the, basically, the, the same as the one for the entirety of the States. Right. Because how does that year-end number one work? Because that's like it's coming out on the 18th, right? And I think they don't take the char- any more charts. I mean, that'll be the last charted week in the UK for, for number ones, I, I, I take it. Do you know how that works? My knowledge of how the charts work is 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 you know I could I could fit it on a small napkin. It's really it's really nothing. Um, gotcha. I know Paul really wants this album out, so it's you know ending mm-hmm. it on a zero zero and a zero. Right. A lot of people say they you know he wants to be able to say he's had seven hits in seven decades as well, which is right. An there you go. Prospect as well. Yeah, because you know you look at it. McCartney was number one here. McCartney 2 was number one there. So uh, how cool would it be if he had a number one in, on both sides of the Atlantic for this, you know? That, again, that, 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 that is playing into that narrative of this being the last McCartney album, isn't it? Right, right. The most morbid prospect ever, I must, I must yes. admit. But I don't think it'll be his last album. No, no. They'll be wheeling him out till, till he's 100. That's a quote from him, so... <laughs> Very good. Uh, anyway, Tom, now that we've exchanged pleasantries, I think it's high time we discussed the matter at hand because there's going to be mm. a, lot, a, lot, a lot of detail for us to cover here. Right. Basically, everyone, me and Tom have, once again, pre-prepared uh, for a hypothetical conversation into war and peace, which is something that has existed in the McCartney fandom for as long as we've been aware that Tug of War and Pipes of Peace were intrinsically linked in some way, supposedly, apparently. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those conversations that ranks up there with the double disc Red Rose Speedway. Uh, right. Si- single disc Egypt Station, single disc White Album, the What If 1971 album. Like I say, me and Tom are qualified super fans here, so, you know... <laughs> This is safe, folks. Do not attempt this kind of conversation oh, right. at home. You might fucking bore someone to death if you are not <laughs> trained. We're professional. For only more than one professional in the house, please. If you're just doing this and telling your mom and sister who have no no interest at all, then I'm sure this is going to be quite boring for you. But uh, I, I love this kind of thing. I mean, there's there's enough there. This this story or the, these the, you know this war and peace, if you will. I mean, it, it bore a lot of fruit. And and I mean it's it's great to choose from because we uh, we all know that you know half the album of, of of Pipes of Peace was was all songs recorded during the tug of war session. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that this that that makes for this thing kind of fun. And then plus there was also other songs that were recorded that didn't get used or were saved for for you know other albums. So so Tom, I know you're a man who possesses many McCartney bootlegs. Oh, you're so wrong. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, well, yes. okay. <laughs> Tom, I know you as a man who owns maybe one or two McCartney bootlegs. Maybe that, that's better. <laughs> I, you know, I, to be honest with you, I am not the biggest bootleg guy. My, my, my Obviously, you, you had my co-host, Andy, on. Yes. He is, he, you know, and actually my old co-host, David, I mean, both of them are just massive bootleg fans. And, okay. You know, I, I have a couple. I mean, obviously, we you know have the Return the Pepperland, which I think is the the must own. Oh, you, oh that's so good. Yeah, you know, in McCartney's catalog, and then a couple. Mm. Um, a good friend uh, of mine, Edward Crawford, he sent me like four or five different cold cut uh, bootlegs, which was a very nice of him. Mm. Uh, 
to do. But uh, but other than that, I mean, like I sent you, I was at a record store, um, like I think last month when we were yes. talking about doing this, and I sent you the picture of the War and Peace uh, bootleg, which you know, have no interest whatsoever in getting. I mean, I sure hell wasn't going to pay $35 for it when, you know, I can spend $35 on another version of McCartney 3. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I mean, it's, it's for the most part, it's just, they're just outtakes really. Yeah. The actual war and peace bootleg is quite an underwhelming release. It's certainly nothing like return to Pepperland or uh, pizza and fairy tales where it's like, Oh, check out all the, all, all of this stuff. It is, it is just stuff that was left off of archive releases for a reason, really. For a reason. <laughs> it's, it's just other takes. It's, it's you know, the Nagra reels of the uh, Montserrat sessions, uh, shall we say. Right. So without going uh, into the specific songs and your track listing, was, right. com- was composing your own version of War and Peace more difficult than the last episode? I would say this was this this was a, a maybe a touch more difficult. Okay. Yeah, maybe a touch. I mean, obviously, you know, Tug of War is the is the much better album. Um, so it was harder to because of the fact that you know I do enjoy quite a bit of Pipes to Peace as well. So I mm-hmm. definitely wanted to make sure that was represented, and I wasn't really sure because we really didn't talk much about this if. We were just going to go with the, you know, 80 to 82 sessions. Were we also going to include the actual Pipes of Peace sessions that, you know, brought forth, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, so bad and, and Pipes of Peace and uh, the other me, you know. So, you know, I, I looked at it a couple different ways. And I, I think the, the songs that I that I have here and we, we kind of put it into like an album form because, you know, CDs weren't really uh, relevant at that time. So. You know, I got me a nice, uh, you know, 20-minute uh, side one and a 22-minute side two. So I'm quite happy with this. Tom, you've said all the things that I was hoping for, really. That's a, a level of detail that I'm excited to explore. I'm not going to lie, though. The writing and compiling of this episode was a far more stressful and complicated matter <laughs> than I ever could have imagined. I, you know what? I, you know what? Actually, now that we're talking about it, I actually think I stressed out more about what what songs the Beatles would have played in '81 than than putting this together. Actually, I think actually this 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 list I got here probably only took me 20 minutes to do. <laughs> That's insane. Because my, my writing my backstory for this that came very naturally, and I've tried to step right. up uh, everyone uh, listening to a certain uh, Tolkien esque level of detail here to kind of match what I know Tom's gonna gonna be bringing here in in his own kind of George R R Martin fashion. Mm. But um, it really has been fun like, thinking of all the ways you could approach, you know, War and Peace. Right. Absolutely. It, is it going to be I mean, an all encompassing double album? You know, no, I mean that, that that's definitely a possibility. I mean, it was definitely a possibility to be a double album. But then, since it's called War and Peace, does the album have to have tug of war and pipes of peace on it? That's something that I came across as well. I'll definitely be bringing that up shortly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe you could see this as maybe what if Wings didn't break up? You could look at it that way. Absolutely, absolutely. There's definitely a song here. That Wings, uh, you know, rehearsed that I, I I put on here that I would have loved to have seen possibly on on this uh, this you know hypothetical album, which I, might shock some people. I don't know. Let's let's find out. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought up the issue of historical accuracy because there was that second set of sessions that so mm-hmm. crucially 
you know, for all you know, technical purposes, are not really allowed, I guess. But just as a as a disclaimer for true transparency, I am going to be using these songs because a it gives the episode a little bit more variety, right. but also right. there there are some tracks that I just cannot not include that are that, <laughs> that are a part part of part of that selection. But first, Tom. Let's go into the, our respective backstories of War and Peace. And because this is my favourite part of the episode, I'm just going to sit right. back and let you go first here. Well, my my frame of thinking for this was I just wanted this to be a Paul McCartney record. You know, we, we all know the story of Wings. We, you know, we know what happened. Uh, you know, we both have Lawrence Juber on, and I'm, I'm sure he, you know, he talked about that on, on both of mm-hmm. our episodes, you know. But uh, you know the, the the final resolution that is of, of, of wing or or whatever you know what I mean. But anyways, mm. it's it's this was I kind of like in a way, just the War and Peace idea. You know he had these tracks ready to go. It's it's just so. How do I say it? Doing this, you know, wasn't really necessarily hard for me. It was it was relatively easy uh, in a way to do something like this. But I was mm. thinking again, you know, I just wanted a a pop, a pop McCartney record with with all of his talents. You know, whether it was you know old school piano ballad or a little bit of rock and roll or or updated pop sound. You know, I didn't want duets on this. I I tried to make it the least guest you know, uh, appearance, you know, as, as possible. So you won't be seeing those, those big number ones, uh, from the early eighties on my, on my war and peace album. So it's was basically, yeah, just McCartney himself. There's no co-writes on my, uh, on my war and peace. It's just, uh, it is McCartney. This is a McCartney record. And I think there was, you know, some tracks that were probably left off tug of war that, that should have been put on. I mean, I, I think about a song like, you know, get it where it's just, you know, is that really any better than uh, keep undercover that ended up on, on war on, on pipes of peace? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I, I'd like to argue that my old friend was a, that they recorded together before uh, Carl Perkins uh, took off was much better than um, get it, which I would have loved to have seen maybe them work on together as a duet rather than just more Carl Perkins heavy. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of sessions. These were very long sessions. I mean, did this album really need two years to make? You know, you're you're looking at December of '80 when they started working. You know, working on "We All Stand Together" when he, when he started getting his mojo with George, George Martin back going. So you know, and then then obviously they take the break with with the Lennon death. So I mean, there's a lot of factors in in this. You know, obviously there wasn't a rush. Uh, maybe he didn't feel like there was a rush to put out an album. They could have had, you know, a, a version of, of Tug of War out in, in maybe late 81. So pushing this to 82, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Obviously, I was only, shit, eight years old in, in 81. <laughs> so, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, realized it anyways. But, um, but you know, it's, it's fun just, you know, like people like us who – you know, well, obviously I'm a little older than you, but, you know, you go back and you think, you know, what was going on in, in their minds? Why, what was their thought press, uh, process, you know, of putting out material at that time? And, and why, you know, couldn't they put out an album in 81? Why did they have to wait till 82? You know, it's, it's really interesting, this whole, this whole period 
from Paul because you see Paul, you know, out and about. He's he's at, at concerts with David Gilmore. You know, he's he's in Mardi Gras. You know. <laughs> And and then all of a sudden Lennon dies, and then all of a sudden it's just like you know now he's you know in the studio, you know if if he was going to tour in the early '80s that that took a you know a, a shit you know so it's it's just hiding himself in the studio and you know licking his wounds maybe if you will but it's this is all really interesting and I'm glad you you asked me to participate in this 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 you know hypothetical album if you will so. No, you a lot are going on. More than a lot going on. A lot more, you know, it's just so many things going on in my mind uh, throughout this whole process. But that being said, it was still, I still can't believe how easy it was for me to put together a, a you know, a track list for this. Okay, then. Is there any backstory to this album? Have you had to change history at all? Or are the sessions more, more or less playing out? In the uh, yeah, way. I think it's playing out. I mean, I think that you know George Martin is telling Paul, "Listen, this we're going to put out an album in '81. Well, we're not going to stretch this out. There's plenty of material here, and um, obviously, I did cheat a little bit and added some stuff that was recorded in '83 for Pipes of Peace. But you know, uh, yeah, I mean, that's Paul. Our George Martin was like, "No, we're going to we're not waiting, and we're going to put an album out in maybe you know." fourth quarter of 81 and and this is this is what i've got for that so john still does die um and there's still you know a certain track that that makes the cut here Mm -hmm. but um i think i think like it's it's more like a you know a loose um you know carefree type type album that they that they put together here but uh but yeah the backstory for me is was was relatively still the same the only thing that changes is that, uh, you know, they added the, some of the songs that uh, they didn't, uh, you know, add on the album, really. So, but uh, I was able to, you know, time it out to where we, you know, it's a, it's a 12 song track listing, you okay. know, because we try to keep it to, uh, to, you know, vinyl sides since that was the uh, medium of choice back then. So you, you haven't got an eight track uh track listing work works out for me then no like no 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 eight tracks because you know those those damn eight tracks they would you know play a song on one side slow it and stop you know halfway through and then flip over to the other side and then continue i don't know how much experience you have with eight tracks but uh i've certainly seen pictures of them on the internet <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> thank thank you thank you for the internet for for you millennials to <laughs> discover eight tracks Right. So let's go right on to your track listing then. You say it was quite easy for you, Kate. It came quite naturally. That's quite exciting for me, actually. Um, right. I guess the only thing you'll have to accommodate is a release date that's maybe two or three weeks later than the, the actual sessions went on for on a Monster App. But fortunately, George Martin owns the building, so those costs right. aren't really going to be going to to McCartney or anything. Um, right. Were there any other self-imposed uh, rules that you yourself set during the making of this list? Were, were, were there any songs that you knew just had to be in or anything like that? Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely songs that had to be in here just because more or less of sentimental reasons, really. Okay. But I, you know, I did want to make it, I did want to make sure that, you know, Pipes of Peace, you know, got its, its, its due because, you know, even though, you know, we pick on Pipes of Peace from, from time to time, 
it's not that it's not really that bad of an album you know I, you can, I don't pick on it but i'm quite ashamed to see how little of pipes of peace is represented on my list as well ah really okay so i'm, I'm, taking, I'm sure you're probably tug of war heavy then yeah and i think most people's would be as well unfortunately yeah, right um, no yeah exactly i just really wanted to try to be as fair as possible you know, and there's songs, there's songs on on Pipes of Peace that I absolutely love that I didn't add add on here because I just didn't think it, fl- that I didn't think the album flew or, or you know was was as smooth sounding as it could have been, you know, mm-hmm. with some of those other tracks. So, you know, I tried to get a sense of feel too for for the for the way I, I put this uh, the order too. So, do you have any singles? Have you changed any of the singles for War and Peace? Well, you know, here's what I did. I mean, I t- I told you I did I didn't want this album to be a a uh, like a the duets that were you know that we heard uh, on Tug of War and, and Pipes of Peace. So I chose to leave like Ebony and Ivory as a non-album uh, single. So Ooh. that's what I would have done with uh, with those uh, with Ebony and Ivory and and Say 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 for for you know. So you get Ebony and Ivory as the opening single. Um, to to kind of you know get everybody excited about pipes of peace i'm I'm sorry our war war and peace and then later on uh in the second half you would you would get say 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 since actually say 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 was recorded during the tug of war sessions this is very interesting you know this is going to be quite humorous when we when when we when we get to my selections but (laughs) you know what without any any further ado Take me through 1981's War and Peace. 1981's War and Peace starts out as the regular War and Peace, um, or Tug of War does start. I You really have a hard time really separating these tracks. It's almost like back in the USSR with Dear Prudence, you just don't touch that. So I did keep Tug of War and take it away as my one and two uh, lead-off tracks just because I just, they just flow well together. They're yeah. inter- interlocking, you know, so you really don't, you know, want to uh, take away from, no pun intended, from, from, from that. <laughs> I want to hear um, it play till the lights go down. Yeah. Right, right. And speaking of Tug Away, or Take It Away, I didn't know if you wanted to bring that up or not, but uh, that could be later on. Um, but for my third track, I really, you know, not a lot of information is out there about this song. And it really ticks me off because this was one of the special features or one of the um, bonus uh, audio from the Pipes of Peace second disc. And that's a track called It's Not On. Take your hands off my knee, young man Said the lady in green I don't care to come in between you And your young woman, it's just not Some things like buttons are best left 
Now, yeah, it's it is got another voice on it, so it's not all technically Paul, but it's just so far out there that I just really think the song this this uh, the song would have just made this album a little bit more interesting, and just you know carry on that experimental tradition that you know he he was doing with uh, McCartney too. So we get a little bit more of that here on totally. War and Peace. It. Love it. Cracking selection. Really yeah. enjoy that. That's that's um wasn't that the song that no one had heard of until it, it No was one had on? heard of. However, however, if you have the Blackbird singing book of Paul McCartney's lyrics and poems, this song is in there. However, it's called Not On not it's on it's not it's not on as it is in the pipes of peace archive edition the plot thickens eh? the plot thickens. <laughs> and i think that was what released in 2001 that blackbird singing so it was under our noses all this time and we just didn't know it that's almost as crazy as when i recently found out that in the 80s they were going to release the white album bonus tracks as mm. a brand new disc which will just totally changed everything it was. <laughs> Can you imagine getting the new Mary Jane in the in the 80s? <laughs> During Reaganomics, people would have yeah. lost their minds, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it would have been chaos. Mr. Gorbachev, listen to this Beatle record. Right. Go on, watch, watch your next track. But then, uh, number four, we, we have our first uh, track from Pipes of Peace, and that is Keep Undercover. Which I, you know, it's Paul doing his best ELO take. I, I like to think uh, it's, it's it's very clever. I, it's one that it's that I've always enjoyed from Pipes to Peace. Then moving on to number five, we're mm-hmm. going to switch over to one of my favorite Paul McCartney B sides of all time, and that is "I'll Give You a Ring." Yes, I just, I'm so happy you've picked that one. <laughs> oh yes. You look a little lonely. I can meet you Tell me where to reach you And I'll give you a ring I take you to the pictures I miss a second feature Lord, I can't believe my eyes I must be dreaming Give me your number This was definitely, I think, one of his great non-album B-sides. Obviously, once again, we talk about it. These sessions just bore so much fruit, and it was a shame that this album, you know, wasn't on a uh, on an album. However, you know, as getting a single, you know, you'd like to get something that's not on the album. So I guess that was a, a good thing for to not that Ebony and Ivory needed any help. Or no, was it the uh, or was it Take It Away? I my memory. Uh, it was one of them. Uh, yeah, it was the two, but but yeah. So um, I'll give you a ring again. Just a great song that he's had in his back pocket for you know number of years, six seven years, mm-hmm. maybe even longer than that. Uh, so moving on, my my to end side one is is Paul's tribute to the late John Lennon here today, which kind of ends on a little bit of a somber note, but uh, okay. I think it's a good place for it. Totally. Yeah. Oh my God. This- you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to spoil it. No, I'm not going to spoil anything. Tom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, here today to end side one. We're going to flip the disc now. Why do we open with side two? Well, I used to smile when I was a boy. 
think, going with Tug of War, that um, how great of an album it is, I still think, you know, Ballroom Dancing is just a great track to lead off, you know, your, your, your flip side. So I continued with that. It's just a great, you know, upbeat, you know, you know, harken back to, to Paul's youth, you know, just good fun. You know, again, a song that maybe could have been a single in the UK, maybe not here, maybe, it, but uh, we all know that... Um, uh, the Kings Come Dancing, I think, was came out right around the same time and had that same feel. But uh, which one was better, do you think? you like Ballroom Dancing? you like Come Dancing better? Oh, no. Ballroom Dancing, to me, has always been the great, long-lost McCartney 80s single. I absolutely adore this track. Yeah. And if you, uh, give my regards to Broad Street versions, amazing as well. Mm. I even toyed in my earliest drafts of having Ballroom Dancing as a non-album single because it, for me it is up there with the kind of strength of like Good Night Tonight or Mulligan Time right. something like yeah. that and I didn't do that but I'm not going to talk, talk about my list right and, and you, you've got to rem- you know, remember back in 81 you know disco was still was still on a high you know there was still a lot of dance tracks or, or dance songs back in the early 80s. So I, I, you know, I gotta believe that even though, you know, this is more of a, what, a, a, a 40s and 50s style dancing, a dance song, it's still got a good groove. It's still danceable for, from, for the early 80s, you know, and plus, you know, 50s music was having a, you know, 50s rock and roll that was, was kind of having a little bit of revival in the 80s too. But, um, you know, would it have been a hit in the U- in the U.S.? I-, I don't know. I could see it being more of a hit in the U.K. than anything. Yeah, it's you know, I could definitely see it as you know being uh, what, what, what one of those weird European EP tracks or singles that right. that, that you never see but you find on eBay one day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, don't we know about eBay, huh? These last <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like what? There's like all these Mexican Beatles EPs that I've never heard of. I need these now. Oh crap! I've got to. Oh, save it, save I was so money. ticked off. I had I had the biker like an icon Mexican uh, uh, 45 in my cart, and somebody just went up and stole it from under my nose. I was so ticked off about that. But oh well. Anyways, but uh, nothing worse. Yeah. Right, but track two on side two, another track from Pipes of Peace, and I went with So Bad. Again, just, uh, you know, sentimental reasons for that. I mean, it was one of the first Paul McCartney songs I discovered back in my back in my youth. I was 10 when the song came out, so discovered the video and, uh, you know, just a uh, good time for me. Awesome. Number three. Now, to, to keep up with the third song on, on uh, side one...
track three on side two might surprise some as such some people as well because a track as we all know from give my regards to broad street called no values was worked on during the tug of tug of war sessions so i thought hey why not have a nice rocker because there isn't really a true rocker in my opinion on either record really <laughs> so, you know, so uh, I thought, hey, let's grab no values and, and no put that values. on there. Really, yes. Tom? Really? Yes. You have really? no values at all. Um. <laughs> we carry on to uh, to number four on, on side two, and that is the, the powerful Wanderlust. Um, always been one of my favorites. Uh, McCartney songs, one of the one of his best vocal performances. Uh, even uh, the uh, the Broad Street version is is really good as well. Track five, we go to The Pound is Sinking, uh, which, again, has always been a favorite track of mine. And then we end side two with Pipes of Peace. I light a candle to our love In love our problems disappear But all in all we soon discover Of peace. Very yes. interesting. That's how my war and peace works out. We start off with war and we end with peace. I can I can picture the interviews now. You know, you know. So like, I thought you know it would it'd be good. Let me start with war because like that's how that's what everyone feels. But then as you <laughs> as you move through the album, you think, yeah, man, like this peace thing is pretty pretty good. I think it's going to change the world. You know, right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, so I got a you know I got a twenty minute uh, side side uh, one, and I got a twenty two minute side two. So. Are there any other? Is is there a third single from the album? Um, you know, if they did, you know, I'm sure it probably would have been uh, Pipes of Peace. I think that's uh, of all the tracks on here. I think that probably would have made the most sense. Okay. You know, obviously, take it away too. We know that uh, that was a top ten hit here, but in the UK, Pipes of Peace was number one there. So, but but I wasn't really going for that. Going that going for that on on this album, I thought you know you leave those great duets. You know, the Ebony and the Ivory and the Say Say Say's. You leave those for for non-album uh, singles. Yeah, and I'm sure the the same videos would. Uh be filmed right. and they, right. they, they, they'd be the smash hits that they were right uh, and the thing is also the thing is too you gotta remember, I think in the late 70s and early 80s that's really the time when it started you know you started seeing you know three four even sometimes five singles per, per album mm-hmm. you know and I just don't see that you know here with with my with my version and I and, and you know going back into real life I mean could here today work as a single you know, George Harrison had success. You know, with a tribute song for for John, and you know, uh, Empty Garden was was a so so hit for uh, Elton John. But um, you know, here today, you know, I don't know. I think McCartney in '81 releasing Here Today would seem a bit tasteless. I guess would it, would it add on to the uh, It's a Drag? Uh, yeah, like oh, you know, Paul, Paul. You know, Another reason earned, for you Brits to crucify him. <laughs> he, earn, he earns money off John's death headline. Right. You know, 
and you know, I wonder if you took that under consideration. Yeah, um, I'm not releasing it as a single. I know a, a video was filmed for it, so perhaps it was considered at some point. But yeah, it's up there with, with like a day in the life with those like just all time album right. tracks that are like as good as, if not better than most of the songs that everyone knows them for. Do you reckon War and Peace would have gotten to number one? That War and Peace would have been his last number one before Egypt Station? Oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, I think w- my version here would have been a, 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 a critical success, just like uh, the actual tug of war was. Uh, I think uh, there's enough here to pique people's interest to checking it out, even though there was no single on, on here. I think, uh, you know, just from word of mouth alone, what I think would have carried this album to, if not number one, at least the top three. I'm sure there'd be a great Robert Christ gal like, review of it, you know, you know, B plus, and then there'd be some witty, witty quip. And then, right. and then decades later, you and me would find a Wikipedia article or a Beatles, uh, a Beatles Bible article where there'd be like one review from Rolling Stone and it'd be two sentences. And that would be all the fucking information there would be on that album. It's like, oh, ah, journalism in the 80s on McCartney, classic as ever. Right. With that, I will I, I will I will set up my album and okay. I will I will then go into go go into my track listing. I've definitely had to alter alter history here. I noticed there was kind of like a butterfly effect where changes led to even more changes, like right. I've, I've, you know, kind of uh, mirroring the real War and Peace by Dostoevsky. Or no, is it Tolstoy? Yeah. No, it's Tolstoy. Yeah. You know, it, this is definitely a tome of mine, so I will get through it as quick as I can. Tom, turn off your mind, relax, float downstream. <laughs> I'm Welcome. floating, my friend. <laughs> this is my universe now. Welcome. Uh, you know, please take off your shoes. <laughs> my feet are up, and I got a beer cracked open. There's one key difference to explain my shift in the timeline here, and that is in this reality, Paul didn't get busted in Japan. Oh. The Japanese leg of Wings, the uh, 79 tour, goes off without a hitch, netting them all a tidy little profit. And mm. Back to the Egg is pushed up to number two in Japan, which is also nice for the band. The success also leads to a further four dates being added to the tour, which all sell out, of course. Uh, wow, and, you uh, oh, oh, you yeah. really put together a band. <laughs> no, no, this goes deep, man. This goes balls deep, balls deep. Wow, I feel like I'm prepared now. <laughs> No, no, no! You showed me up on the last episode, so it's only fitting that, that uh, this time uh, okay. I, 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 I return so the favor. So that means then we're going to have to have a round three, three of this. Uh, it's it, it's going to have to be the single disc white album, isn't it? We're just going to have to knuckle down and do it. I think. Fine, <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah, <laughs> everybody it, else has done it. No, it's it's. I think it's like a rite of passage for all for all Beatles podcasters. You know. It's, it's like the most generic topic you can pick besides my top 10 least favourite songs, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, so at this point in the tour, Wings actually start gelling as musicians, but the shows wear on McCartney and some of the rock press even point out that he's going through the motions, but they actually get a live recording for this show. Mm. McCartney calls it Tebashio. <laughs> Roughly translated, that means salted chicken wings. 
in Japanese. And this mm. comes from a night in Osaka where Denny Lane and Lawrence Juba eat too much of the Japanese tapas dish and start choking. This leads to a waiter <laughs> shouting, too much wings. And that kind of echoes in McCartney's head dramatically, like, too much wings, 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 like that. And then the dish, Tebashio, gets stuck in his mind, becomes the album. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. This tour, though, it's taking it out of Paul. And wings take a break. Paul begins work on Tebashio, but stalls. It's not like um, Wings Over America, though, where it's like, you know, loads of perfectionist re-recordings. He's just apathetic towards it. And then basically he comes back and then bashes it out in three days. He just he just wants to get it out of the way. It comes out. It stalls at the number 12 spot in her, over here on your side of the pond, barely in the top 20. And mm. an unannounced single is cancelled on the spot, a la Love is Strange for Wildlife. Right. Wings disbands. McCartney 2 comes out though it comes out a little bit later in the September of that year, and it beats out Gary Newman's Telecon to number one. <laughs> so, sorry, Gary Newman, you're one of the casualties of my story here. <laughs> Imp- Im- importantly, though, Tom, Denny Lane doesn't have as many financial issues, at least. He might still, he might, he might still have some, but he's right. definitely not anti-Paul at this point. He hasn't had to move in with Jeffrey Giuliano and sell the rights to Mullica Tire for like <laughs> three tire. quid or whatever, you know? Uh, <laughs> also, Steve Holly and Lawrence Duber got little bonuses at the end of the tour for those four extra dates as well. Linda's oh, happy. Nice yeah, you know, every, every, everyone gets a little happy story. Though, like you, Tom, even I couldn't save John Lennon. Mm. You know, it's like when you go back in time and kill Hitler. You can't you can't do that because, you know. It's a great cartoon where a person is walking out of the time machine and he goes, I just killed Hitler. And the guy standing outside of the time machine goes, who? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, that, but that but that is it. And uh, I, I don't want to upset temporal, re, re, you know, realities or anything like that or break the space time continuum. So I'm going to leave the assassination on on uh, December 8th. But obviously McCartney 2 came out so late, Tom. So yeah. Lennon never heard coming up. So the album oh, didn't okay. come out before so his death. So there is a twist. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, the album doesn't come out. Paul helps Yoko finish John's final album called Milk and Honey, which comes out of March uh, 81 and goes to number one. Boom, wow. twist. <laughs> wow, you're blowing my mind right now, my friend. Oh, yeah. After this time, Paul is already kind of, you know, in the zone. He, he doesn't want to stop working you know, because then he'll have to maybe stop and sit down for five minutes and think about John's death, which he doesn't want to do. Mm. In April, he flies out to Montserrat to meet George Martin. On the plane, he starts reading a copy of Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace, <laughs> which he, quote, intends to finish before the final session. As per the original tale, Paul and George agree that it's going to be a star-studded session at least, mm. and pretty much the same sessions begin, albeit slightly later, and then magically like you, other songs are written and composed in this time period, so stretch that out an extra few weeks to accommodate all of that, add enough time for Paul to remember all of the anecdotes that he's going to be repeating for the next 50-odd years as well. 
Mm-hmm. Danny Lane's here as well. He's you know he's happy, but he knows he's a session man and he's being paid right. for it as well. Lawrence Juba and Steve Holly are also going to cameo on different songs. Like you know, we'll have Steve Holly on "What's That You're Doing" for no reason, <laughs> for no reason. Right. Uh, then the A-class talent arrive. Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson famously just miss each other by a few hours whilst working on mm. Montserrat. They're never on the island at the same time, unfortunately. Denny Lane would later comment in the newspaper tabloids, though, that he was upset that he wasn't called to work on either the Jackson or Wonder sessions, though. So, you know, some 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 things never change, Tom. You know? <laughs> Very good. Um, anyway... Paul and George realise that the album's going to take a lot longer than they imagined, so they're going to release two singles to kind of stall the public. Paul also kind of realises that these these collaborations that he's been working on at the start of these sessions aren't going to fit the final album anyway. So, just like you, Tom, just like you, uh, the first single is Ebony and Ivory with the B-side, What's That You're Doing? Comes mm. out, oh, yeah, great minds think alike, people. And right. It's not. The However, I I did almost put a twist on that, and I was very close to just doing the Paul McCartney version of Ebony and Ivory mm. with the B side of What's That You're Doing. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. I mean, you could even justify, you know, and say What's That You're Doing could have been a solo jam session with all the with all the, the other right. people, and maybe it would have sounded different. Who knows? That could have been uh, Paul McCartney's version of a toot and a snore, right? 100%. Uh, for me, there's going to also going to be a 12-inch disc where the A-side would be the single, the uh, 7-inch single, and the B-side would include two bonus songs, Get It and Sweetest Little Show. Oh, very nice. So uh, these singles are going to hint at what's not going to be appearing on the album. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I did want those two country songs to go together. I thought I thought that was nice. Mm. Then the second single is going to be "Say Say Say" and "The Man" coming out in October of '81. Very good. There would also be a 12-inch disc release where the A side would be the seven-inch single again, and the B side would include as bonus songs "Average Person" and "Hey Hey." <laughs> Because, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, there was really no reason why they couldn't release a single in 81. They had plenty of material that was finished, ready to go. They could have released something, you know, in late 81, maybe, if they weren't going to put an album out. You know, like Ebony and Ivory could have come out and then not ended up on the album at all, you know, like mm. like we were, you know, suggesting here on ours. But, uh, you know, this was the first year that... Uh, he didn't put out anything, you know, since 61, really, I think it was, that his name wasn't on. Look, guys, I'm saying dress me up as a robber's going straight to number one. We've just got to put it out there. <laughs> put it out there. <laughs> if only they'd, they'd uh, believe him. Right. Also, later that year, the two singles, along with Get It, are released as an EP titled Paul McCartney With. Mm. There we are. Just another way to earn a bit more cash. Um, yeah, I, well, I, I mean, at this point, he wasn't the mega billionaire that he is now. No, no, so. no. War and Peace. There's like a red one. There's like there's so, there's somehow a Spotify version, and and everyone's like, "What Spotify?" And Paul's like, "Oh, just wait and see." <laughs> <laughs> oh, did Target exist back in eighty one? I don't know, but there would have been a Kmart version, let's a just K, say. A Kmart version. 
Yes. Oh, that's exclusive with uh, two extra tracks on it for sure. <laughs> like uh, Johnny Carson does a joke about it or something, you know. Hi, oh, McCartney's got, 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 got all these editions, yeah. Right. Oh my god, that's. Uh... Do you hear about all these uh, special editions Paul McCartney's putting out? Yeah, something like that. No, who? Uh, you, you know when he wears the big turban and he and he and he does and he, and he reads oh, the. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. The envelope. He puts the envelope up to his head or something like that, yeah, right? Um, Mount Baldy. <laughs> what does Yul Brynner's wife do on their wedding night? You know, right. Something like that. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, but yeah, uh, working out those singles did help me. And I'm sure mm-hmm. it helped you as well because it, it does get those four songs out of the way and it does kind of start Opens to it help. up. Yeah, and, and it, it, even taking stuff away starts to shape what the album is going to be you know mm-hmm. it was very easy like you know christian bop or christian pop whatever you're called you're gone get out of get out of there get it get out of here yep. you know <laughs> these were these were easy decisions but also you know taking michael jackson off taking stevie wonder off you are playing with fire here because those were huge selling points for the album i mean right. luca parazzi fucking first guest i had on this podcast uh, you know he's just reviewed mccartney three he uh, sure has he 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 got into paul because he knew about michael jackson and mm-hmm. he, he 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 got gifted pipes of peace instead i'm sure your co-host keto tool has some sort same of same story yeah. same story yes so that is a possible negative side effect, you know. We, you know, we'll have to uh, factor but that in. But going back to like this McCartney three thing, did did it need a single? I mean, there's so many great songs on there to begin with. You know, I look back to an, uh, an Elton John album called Tumbleweed's Connection. Had no singles on it, but it's considered one of his best albums. God, imagine being the head of the studio, just like, oh, God, oh Elton, please, oh God, for God's sake, Elton, just do it. I'm begging you. <laughs> anyway, back to my album. Paul gets it all together um, uh, for the spring, though he doesn't like a lot of the mixes. So this leads to extra sessions over the summer. So maybe this is where those extra songs were written. And by this time, mm-hmm. he's also read War and Peace. So he right. comes up with the concept as I'm going to use it. And it's a Christmas release in 81. I hope it gets to number one, but I've got a sneaking suspicion it gets to number two and heads roll. Hmm. But yeah, again, disclaimer, I'm, cho- I'm uh, choosing songs that may not historically be accurate, but I find it both. Yeah. I find it interesting that we both thought of the same thing, you know, you putting those duets out as singles rather than it doesn't end tracks. there, Tom. It doesn't end there, my friend, as we'll see. Right. My next question going in was, what am I going to do with the title tracks? And I did work around with not having them on at all, like being really edgy. Like, ooh, right. Sam chose not, not to have them on. Maybe just have them both as a single or two non-album singles, something like that. But mm-hmm. the track listing just wasn't working without them as anchors. And... I want to justify the title of the album as well. Yeah, right. You know, War and Peace. There's a certain brief here, folks, that like I've got to, I've, I've got to stick to, and I am, you know, working at it with with a real anal retention here. But after having fun with the extra room I had, I just thought, no, I'm going to go back and use the title tracks. Right. I also thought they're both great openers as well. How am I gonna How am I gonna do this? And 
very much like you know is is the medley going to end Abbey Road uh, or is it going to end side one of Abbey Road? I, th- I, th- mm. I thought you, you, you know what they're both going to be openers. Everyone gets 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 to win. And my first objective going in was tug of war open side one, pipes right. of peace open side two. Mm. I had a couple of other rules I wanted to have as well. Uh, like like yourself, limit myself to around 23, 24, 25 minutes of music per side. You know, the restrictions right. on memory mm-hmm. and audio fidelity are very real. I'm sure this kind of conversation becomes very moot in the era of, like, new. It's like, oh, how many tracks can you fit on new? Well, hundreds. So, it's like, <laughs> you, know, you know, just include all of them and then have bonus tracks on the end. You know, that's all... That's what you need. You need to do really. But with this, right. yeah, you know, late '81, it's going to be on vinyl. I also wanted to make sure side one closed with "Here Today" and side two closed with "Through Our Love." So we'll be seeing that okay. shortly. Right. Also, I wanted ballroom dancing and "Here Today" to be next to each other in some way. They are a good uh. duo. They are a good pairing purely because I feel like there was an element of ironic comedy here whereby you have the silliest, most extreme Paul McCartney granny song ever. Mm-hmm. Whether it comes before or after Here Today, the John Tribute song, there's something about it that gives it a flair that I always enjoy. So I definitely wanted to include that. And like yourself, I'm sure, I, I want even if it was only a Pipes of Peace dream, I wanted a, a balance between the two albums. But right. it did not happen whatsoever. <laughs> I've got seven songs aside. Uh, side one's twenty-five minutes and thirty seconds. So really pushing it there, right? Really yes, pushing it. But I did a bit of research and I found many albums from this period which had like twenty-six, twenty-seven minutes. So mm-hmm. it's not—it's not outside the realms of possibility. But no, I think uh, I think press the play was like a forty-six minute album. So that was pretty much pushing it back then. Yeah, maybe you know, original copies of this album that are good would be hard to come by, but a repressing of this album probably wouldn't set you back all that much, I'm sure. This imaginary album that will never be available for purchase, but starting off, Tom, Tug of War, like like right. like yourself, it's it's undeniably a strong opener. It's probably out of all of the tracks, so the, the, the one that I chose in a kind of like workman functional way, you know, it's it's what people like, it's what Paul likes. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike it at all, but it's just not a track that I listen to outside of listening to the album in full. I also toyed with opening with "Say Say Say" as well. Right. I did an article of this for the for the Paul or Nothing blog, uh, our sister blog. Go and check that out. Uh, com. And I wrote that like three years ago, just as like a little humorous thing for myself. And I did <laughs> open with "Say Say Say" for that. And, mm. uh, yeah, now it's a non-album track like yourself. Again, great minds think alike. Second song, Take It Away.
Real original, right? Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. So we did not call each other before the party to ask and see what we were wearing, did we? No. Um, you know, <laughs> a clever, a, a clever host may have done so and changed the format slightly. But no, this is this is this is much, this is much more fun. Um, I did try and circumvent this obvious move by maybe putting like average person here, a similar type of feel track. But uh, like, yeah, duh, everyone. I know right. that these songs are intrinsically linked because of the way they're produced and sequenced, you know, is forever embedded in our minds in that way. But there was no song I could put after Tug of War that was better than this. And, you know, uh, you don't want to fix what isn't broken, do you? No. It's, it's actually a track that I was never all that fond of the first time I, I reviewed it. But uh, I've definitely mellowed out on it. It's a grower for you? Yeah, 100%. It's like mumbo. Yeah. Okay. Third place, now this is where it gets interesting. I too have already gone to Pipes of Peace as my third one. I think we both were guilty after two opening tug, tug of war tracks. Mm-hmm. So bad. Oh, yes. Love this track. Love oh. this one. I love this from the first minute I heard it. Again, rather like ballroom dancing, it's it's a McCartney trope pushed to the extreme. And it's crazy how like gracefully he sticks the landing here, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's so soppy and romantic and and yet you know, it just becomes this well executed, if a you know, a bit melodramatic pop song. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. track three though, I felt like we needed to slow it down a little bit. There is definitely the uh, an element of the classic McCartney slow one fast one here that I'm gonna be adhering to. Though the slow one, fast one mechanic doesn't necessarily apply to the first two songs, you can all you know those are always kind of up in the air as to what's going to be there. right. Right. I was also thinking of so bad as a single, considering it was a single. Forgive my regards to Broad Street, but I also want the Broad Street version to exist, so I didn't mm. make it a single. You know. Mm-hmm. Fourth place, the pound is sinking. Very good. this one Tom not not because I've included it but because I originally cut it from the album entirely okay um, yeah but when you give yourself 25 minutes per side it kind of makes it the, the decision to put it back on a little easier though doesn't it yeah it's a, it's definitely a fun imposition to put on yourself like there are there are many people now that go back and play classic video games with certain handicaps to make it more fun 
like you know trying to not take damage or you know some you know, something like that and and this was definitely like like that for me and like you say the the uh, element of adding time was certainly uh, something that gave me a lot of that growth I must admit <laughs> I was glad that I was able to keep this one though because, um, and I think this is because uh, you, you know I wanted to include more positive pieces the first time around. Again, average person was in this position as well. Uh, just, just, just uh, spoiler alert: average person doesn't make it onto my track listing. But I, 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 I think it was, you know, demoed as it were in every single position on this album that wasn't already taken by one of my aforementioned objectives at the start. <laughs> I, I really wanted to make it work, but um, my album's going to be full of McCartney piano and kitsch. And so, mm. you know, the, um, well, I fear my dear, is ever let me oh, yes. I've got to include that on here if I'm going to be it's doing It's brilliant. That. Your father was an extraordinary man. Oh, it, it, you don't seem to have queried money. Yeah, I can't do it right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, listening to this album and my own version of War and Peace in preparation for this in, in, in my own little Spotify playlist has been so much fun. In in the same way that um, I made a playlist of a single disc Egypt Station for uh, another mm-hmm. another blog post I did, that's now yes. my Egypt Station. This is now my tug of war and pipes of peace. Like this, I'm so happy with this selection. Mm-hmm. Moving on to number five, side one, ballroom dancing, auto include for me, auto include hundred percent. Right. The only real issue was, you know, where am I going to place it? And once I knew where here today was going to go. Uh, that meant I could either open side two, but oh no, Pipes of Peace is going to open side two. So it was more about making sure something before ballroom dancing was appropriate. Mm. You know, the pound is sinking, whilst ha- having a certain levity do it, is quite a serious and slow track and has a kind of weight to it. So the transition to ballroom dancing, you know, it's it's definitely got a light-hearted jaunt to it to you know, keep the album moving. And then moving on, no prizes for guessing what I'm closing side one with. It's here today. Here today, yeah. And if I said I really knew you well, what would your answer be? If you were here today, Tom, I don't mean to sound horrendously callous and cruel, but if if we're acting as the money men in the suits here, there's no fucking way I'm not having this song on the album. Like it's the John Lennon tribute song. It's, right. It's 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 going to give a longevity to the sales of the album that few other songs can offer. You know. Right. I mean, it's definitely a selling point for the album for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. I like the idea of, of a John Lennon and uh, or at least a John Lennon influenced song ending side one because it's a nice little callback to "I Want You, She's So Heavy" on Abbey Road. Right. I'm not sure anyone would get that unless it was in the liner notes, but at least I'd get it. You know, <laughs> if it makes sense to you, that's all that matters. This is my universe, man. You know, <laughs> Nixon gets a, a, sec, a second term with me. It's fucking crazy. You know, you mean a third? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, was he impeached on the second? Oh, yes. Oh, 
See, that's my American history for you there, folks. I thought it, I... <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Dress me up as a robber. Yeah. Uh, as a crook. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving on to side two. Again, for anyone paying for not, not paying attention, I said I was going to open it with positive peace. That's what I do. Going back to you ending side two with pops of peace. I think they're, they're, they're both equally valid ways of incorporating both of the title tracks into a two-sided album. Obviously, we both realise there is a, a certain, um, you know, we like Back to the Egg, uh, Over Easy and Sunny Side Up. You know, there's, there's, there's fun you can have with this kind of stuff. And artistically, it does make sense to uh, divide those songs in a certain way. You definitely couldn't have... Unless you did like tug of war straight into pipes of peace, like second song. I've I've never listened to those two songs in that way. I'm not sure what the uh, emotional outcome of that would be, but um, hmm. it's been nice to, to see that we've both used the title tracks as anchors on the two separate sides. Right. Also, my side two is a uh, 23 minutes 47 seconds. Ah, okay. Um, so kind of within the realms of reality. Just just one last thing on pipes of peace. It's a song that you always forget how good it is every time you listen to it. And like, it's so complex. There's so much like going on. So much going on yeah. in that song. Oh, it so moves. a lot of layers. Yeah. And it's just masterfully produced as well. And then you've got that killer chorus as well, which is a lot less cringy and lame than it has any right to be. Like, <laughs> it should be, you know, career suicide, that song. And yet, like, it's, it's like... It, it's up there with like city love songs for me. It almost feels just like a, I can't believe this was a number one song in the UK in a way, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's got everything that they, that the, you know, the UK people kind of make fun of them for, you know, you got the, the, the choir thing and they're kind of like, you know, the kids aspect of it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's the, like, the, the big production, uh, if you will. I mean, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of get surprised uh, every time I see that this song went to number one in the UK. It kind of surprises me. Yeah, like Wonderful Christmas Time and Ebony and Ivory, they're the ones that get all the flack. And I reckon that's because Pops of Peace just, just didn't have the longevity as a single that the other two songs have had. Mm. And the other two songs have other reasons to, to like play them. You know, mm, right. I definitely think this is a case where a, a a good song was made better by the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's arguably one of the occasions where the video, if you're looking at it purely from the merits of that own like artistic uh, mediums, mer- right. uh, you know execution the video it could even be better than the song yes. it's a really good music video mm-hmm. it's it's one of Agreed. the best also we've recently ju- 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 uh, just had the coming up music yes. video that was remastered that's up there as well like it's like it's a fantastic song but if we're looking at the the history of music videos it's 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 a killer as well anyway on to my second song on side two and we have one of the the first songs that i'm probably <laughs> going to get hung for it's bonus material from the Tug of War sessions, and it's the B-side to Ebony and Ivory. Oh, I'm going with okay. Rain Clouds, Tom. You're just throwing Denny Lane a bone there, huh?
I'm not sure if he's going to get a writing credit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he can he can he can talk to Jeffrey about 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 that in a, another book later. But there'll be like a different title. That'll be the uh, the right. difference in this in this universe. And Jeffrey will have been. Uh, you know, he worked at Denny's or like Dairy Queen instead, rather than McDonald's. Anyway, um, I haven't really been able to talk about uh, rain clouds because my hot hits and cold cuts side series is only up to London Town so far. So, yay! I can say how much I love this song. It's amazing. It's one of those, you know, okay, yeah, it's a meme that Paul's B sides and his unselected songs are better than what he does in his A sides, but. You know, you've got Paul's vocal that's really catchy, as well as having like a certain etherealness to it, mm-hmm. with all that double tracking. And then you've got that weird electric bagpipe fiddle guitar <laughs> thing. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's it's an uh, joy when it's on there. Like, oh, yeah. And then the acoustic guitar as well. It's got this simplistic charm from the moment the record starts. I'm happy it's on here. I'm not sure other people will be, but... Uh, it's quite a, a silly little kind of yellow submarine-esque altogether right. type jaunt so we'll uh, cut to a song that sounds like it's going to be really serious but then it actually cuts to another quite quirky little romp mm. uh, Keep Undercover is my third song so you know I think the uh, the journey of Rain Clouds going into that love yes. is going to take yep. you in the morning like you can't have that after an actual serious song because it I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, I feel like the whole point of this song is that it's one of those cheeky pulling the rug out from uh, mm. un, under your feet moments, you know. And you know, I think uh, I think I also put this after "Take It Away" originally to kind of keep the energy going a little a little bit more. But those two songs sound right. a little too similar for me. Kind of like some some stuff we saw on Egypt Station. Like a lot of the songs he left off weren't necessarily the worst ones, but there were songs that sounded like right. other songs on the record. Uh, so I've at least put Keep Undercover on side two, just to kind of keep them apart a bit. Next song for the lynch mob to get me with is <laughs> I'll Give You a Ring. I, it's great, Sam, isn't it, Tom? It's yeah, fantastic. You're making too. me like you more and more, my friend. Dude, like, I, um, I, I know he wrote this for, uh, I, can't, I can't remember who it was, it was for like Shirley Bassey or something like that. It goes all all the way back to the '74 mm-hmm. McCartney tape, yes. uh, the uh, piano tape. It's fantastic there. It's fantastic here. You know, should I have chosen "Dress Me Up as a Robber"? Probably, but folks, hey, Tom chose it in his list as well, so <laughs> I'm in good company. So I'm not going to worry about it. One that I did choose specifically for me, and one that I knew I was going to include. The moment I realised both Tug of War and Pipes of Peace was going right. to be on this album, Tom. And you can probably guess what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, it's no. Tug of Peace, baby.
look, even if you don't like this song, you can't you can't look me in the microphone and say that if McCartney didn't do a War and Peace album with tracks called Tug of War and Pubs of Peace, that he wouldn't also have Tug of Peace also on the same album. Like it's it's that kind of you know zany McCartney decision that I genuinely feel he might have actually made. Yeah. It fits in. But see, my this head is, count. yeah, but this, I mean, if, I, if, if, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think this would have been like the great, you know, the hidden track, you know, after, you know, the last song on the album. It's, it's, you know, no one knows it's there, you know, and. <laughs> well, no, like uh, you, you had your one instance of McCartney weirdness. Yes, true. There you go. You Perfect. Know? I love it. Yep. Like the, the McCartney weird tracks after McCartney 3. Like they either go into out like offshoot projects like you know youth and uh, the final mm-hmm. and stuff like that, or it becomes something akin to the McCartney acoustic track where it's there's going to be one of these on every album to keep that portion of the fan base happy. Right, right. You know, I'll always do a little bit of Donovan stuff, and there'll always be a back in Brazil for the McCartney mm. two fans. You know, right. Now, for my next track, I I really wanted to do the classic McCartney big double hitter closer. You know, something like we saw again on Egypt Station or Mm -hmm. most famously on Ram. You know, fucking long haired lady, back seat seat in my car. It's, you know, spellbinding stuff. So you're on the last two tracks then of the album. Okay. All right, cool. Second to last track is Wanderlust. Yes, I approve. Could not not pick this one again. It, it would it would upset many a person. But since I knew what my last track was going to be, I was I was really struggling about Wanderlust. But then I thought, yeah, McCartney. It you know this is a, a you know one of those classic return to form albums. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have dark room and one of these days fucking end this thing, people. <laughs> He's going to have Wanderlust, and then as the final song. Rounding it off is Through Our Love. We wasted time and again on things, things we already knew, on to do. I give my love to you. Whenever you get some time Whenever you get some time I'd like to roll it all Up in a ball and spend it with you You've got the power of love We can go through our love. We can do things that they said were Okay. In the way that I realise Tug of War and Pops of Peace are indisputable openers for me through our love. You know, there was never gonna be another closer, Tom. There was never gonna be another closer. Mm. I did try like just Wanderlust maybe. Or something like here today, like yourself, you know, uh, you know, the power of it as a closer is pretty undeniable. 
comparing it to something like Ebony and Ivory, though, the actual closer of Tug of War, it's 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 kind of moot. Not only because they're just not in the same league in terms of songwriting, but Ebony and Ivory is literally a single tacked onto the end of an album rather than like a dedicated album closer in the way that Tug right. Love clearly is. Agreed. You know, it's a track that's always floored me, and like I can't listen to it casually. Tom, like every time it's on, I have to stop and like feel all of these annoying emotions. <laughs> and like have memories and Vietnam-esque flashbacks to certain points of my life and like oh my god you know skip skip not because not it's bad because it's too fucking good skip you know but yeah amazing finally now that I've gone through my whole album just one last thing to round it off I would release a double A-side single once the album has actually come out it would come out about a week after and it would be a double A side of Tug of War and Pipes of Peace. Ah. And, Tom, there would be an associated marketing campaign where people would be encouraged to call into their local radio stations to request either War or Peace, man. And, you, you, you know, it would, it would be like when people could, uh, you know, uh, write into DC and decide whether Robin was uh, killed or not by the Joker in right. the 80s. Joker. <laughs> right. <laughs> And in certain parts of the country, there'll be a lot of hype around this, but it, the single isn't the smash that everyone would have wanted. Neither peace nor war make it to number one in either the UK or America in my reality. But mm. it's still a number one in Australia, Germany, Norway, <laughs> and crucially Japan, because I bring it all the way back to the start of the story. Because, you know, they did so well in Japan at the start. And hey, it pays off here with this little single. Mm. Of course, there's a 12-inch extended version of the single where this is the... Oh, of course. Of the, they, they are the A-side. And the B-side is Dress Me Up As A Robber and Somebody Who Cares, which would be a really fucking good 12-inch, actually. Like, that'd be something every fan would want. I, de- I, I know that. I've definitely thought of this story for the collector, such as yourself, Tom, definitely. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> But yeah, there, there we are, man. We've come to the end of our hypothetical war and peace conversation. And, uh, and wow, we, we, we agree on 10 tracks here. We actually, here going over it, we both had f- five on each side pretty much if you, if you want to do it that way. But yeah, we, we pretty much agreed on 10 tracks. That is crazy. I did not wake up this morning thinking, yep, Tom's going to have tug of peace on this list as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I saw your tweet with the songs with, that were highlighted in different colors and I didn't see It's Not On on there, I was like, okay, I'm going to blow his mind with this one. <laughs> I d- no, you're right. I didn't even include that one. That's definitely a typo. But um, yeah, this is... Look, folks, there, there's not ne- necessarily a mind-blowing uh, cliffhanger, stinger way to end conversations like this. The, the pleasure of these episodes... Uh, is in the fun of the conversation itself. It's definitely more of the journey than the destination. Yes. It's it's not like me and Tom are now going to MPL to 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 print ten versions of this album and then have it to be delayed by a fucking week or anything right. like that. <laughs> um, but yes, I've certainly had fun. What about you, Tom? Have you had fun discussing two albums that will never exist? I, I absolutely had fun. I, you know, I was all about this project when you, uh, when you, uh, you know, came up with the idea. 
Absolutely. Loved it. No, Tom, and you're always welcome to come back on the show. I cannot wait for round three where we really go mano a mano. Oh, it's, it, it will definitely it be on then. Yes. I mean, you got it's, it, my friend. it's a good thing I'm the host of the podcast, though. Like, there's not really going to be an independent adjudicator as to who wins the next episode. <laughs> but, you know, it's all about trying, Tom. You know, it's all about just yes. representing two legs and, you know, doing doing right by, by your... Uh, loyal fan base you know mm-hmm. tom thank you so much for coming on this show dude i really enjoyed comparing and contrasting our lists together it was really nice to see just how much parallel thinking was going on with 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 this little thought exercise uh, yeah i'll definitely call it a thought exercise that makes it sound a little more academic doesn't it it sure does. It's been, it's always a pleasure chatting with you, Sam, and uh, we'll definitely uh, you know see you on two legs in the near future as well soon. Awesome! I want to come back on as soon as possible. That that definitely be. It's your pretty little mug back on back on YouTube. Oh no, not on, oh well. Actually, I've well, uh, Mama Wiles thankfully uh, gifted me a new Mac for my birthday, so I'll actually got yes. uh, a decent camera and decent internet connection now. So there's no That's excuse. Excellent. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to find excuses to go and pick my nose off camera or something, you know. <laughs> um, do you have anything you need to plug before we start wrapping up? What have you got coming up? Uh, on two if you legs? don't mind, yes. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd also like to talk about Talk More Talk for, for a minute. Uh, the chat show, the chat, man. Yeah. Yes, yes. The solo Beatles video cast that I do with our buddy Ken Michaels, the Queen Kittle Tool, Joe Mayo, and uh, every once in a while, our, our Ken Womack uh, will make an appearance. So we have a lot of fun doing that. That's every other Mondays, and we're going to be doing a, a John Lennon-centric uh, show here coming up where we just talk about uh, you know things that we appreciate, uh, Lennon, kind of like a little bit of a tribute since it's the 40th anniversary of his passing. So we, so we thought we'd do a little bit more Lennon on the show. And then with two legs, you know, we, we're continuing our, our, our series of, of great musicians that have worked with, with, with Paul McCartney. And we've got a, a interview with Jerry Murata coming up. And we're looking mm. forward to talking to him about the, the, the press to play sessions. And, um, you know, was there really, a, you know, a throwdown between Eric Stewart and uh, Hugh Patchum? You know, we'll, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll find out. But um, should be a great time talking with him. But, uh, yeah, I mean... You know, two legs is everywhere. We're on we're on YouTube now, in iTunes, uh, Spotify, uh, Pandora, Amazon. If uh, if it's there, if I mean if it's out there, we're on it. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate you. Like I've said, man. In all seriousness, it's great to have you as a peer and a colleague, as well as a friend. And I couldn't have asked for anyone nicer to steal all the best fucking guests away from my podcast. <laughs> Everyone, I'm sure Denny Lane is already playing us out by now. You know, I will have done a lengthy uh, housekeeping segment, so I will leave you all right now. Keep listening to Paul, everyone. I've been Sam Wiles of Paul or Nothing. This has been Tom Hanyadi of Two Legs. Keep listening to Paul. Harry, Harry, Krishna, peace and love, no autographs. Play us out, Denny.